This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, United boss Ross assesses his squad and would love to lure Levitt. And Dundee love their training centre, but will there be any new faces at it soon? Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie, and joining my depleted crew this week are Alan Temple. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. Where's Dode? He's gone. He, I uh, think he's going to come back again, but he's such not. Here. A, such has <laughs> been in our day, Bear, people stayed forever. But such is yeah, modern employment. You don't know if he's on holiday, a day off, or he's started work somewhere else and got a long service award or award already. Yeah, I've got to say the transfer window is open to him. So, is it? Yes. Well, I think so. <laughs> Maybe not on time. <laughs> <Now, laughs> it's funny you should say that because this morning before I came in here, chaps, I dropped my wife off at work. You've got to do that when you're 99% retired. Went straight from her work to Tesco, cost the early bird, got the best cut of meat, got Choice of cheese, the best bit of bread as well for the grilled sandwiches we're having for tea tonight. Now that is a factual story, but let's make it a metaphor. <laughs> and it's not one that applies this summer to Dundee and Dundee United, because if if the wise thing to do is to go in just after the shop opens, <laughs> when it comes to transfers, they seem to be about to run in five minutes before it closes and, yeah. and grab something off the shelves. Well, let the record show that you get some great deals just when it's about to close, you know, those sort of reduced section bargain buckets. So maybe they're just holding on for all those kind of juicy bargains at the end of the day. Which is maybe okay for United, but when you're trying to sell season tickets... <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm just trying to run with of, your bonkers a, metaphor. A, yeah. a bit of curly ham's no doing yeah. much for Dundee <laughs> season ticket sales, is it? I've also got to say... The, the bargain buckets tends to be the bits that are overripe. Is that going to be the situation when it comes to players as well? If you wait that long <laughs> yeah. by the time you get them, then I thought you were about to tell us you actually spotted someone in Tesco term, a possible signing, a big name, but obviously, no, no, you you actually going back to the day yeah. that many yeah. 20 years ago yeah, now yeah. I met Avano Bonetti. You don't, you don't know this story, Alan. I met Avano Bonetti the day in Tesco, the day after Fabian Caballero got injured and I'm, I'm just being polite it was Sunday afternoon I said what are you going to do about Fabian he said oh I'm going to sing Claudio Canigia <laughs> I said what I said oh but you can't write that just now that's a true story oh, and, there you go. which I mentioned in a book for charity odds as well <laughs> the, the, the great thing about that was Ivano's then fiance now his wife interrupted the conversation brandishing a can of Heinz macaroni and being being an Italian who liked things done properly said macaroni in a tin this is not possible and I said well you, you certainly don't want to taste it <laughs> but anyway back to today and it says here section one United so we'll we'll stick we'll move on to Dundee's late rush before the shop closes in the second half. But um maybe just slightly more excusable for United because Jack Ross has just come in. Possibly also, Alan, is it an indication Jack Ross, having been in the Premier League for the first half of last season and, and known it well, he maybe knows the United squad, so he's he's got a tinkering job, but time's coming when you would maybe like to see a signing or two. 
Yeah, we're loath to be too critical because obviously by the time you listen to this, there could have been three signings. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's the joy of podcasting in sort of timeless fashion. But at the same time, you can kind of understand why Dundee United fans are getting slightly itchy feet because it is a relatively threadbare squad. It's interesting what you say in terms of analysing what he's got and making judgments at the moment because there are some interesting you know, things to ascertain. You look at someone like Logan Chalmers in their training, Declan Glass in their training, Peter Pollock gradually coming back. So he will be making judgments on things that could improve Dundee United's squad overall or certainly beef out the, the numbers that he has. But they do need reinforcements. You know, we, we've discussed last week that you're maybe looking at six, seven, eight sign-ins. So that will gradually happen um i would they go off to spain on on july 10th i think they would like to have uh a, a farm a far bigger squad and certainly some of their quality arrivals done before that trip because that's going to be important in terms of a first friendly and getting to know the squad adapting things like trips are great for that sort of thing you're in each other's pockets and i know jack would like to have some of his key men in the door by then so there's no reason to panic just yet, particularly given, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday and there's, you know, every chance that perhaps a couple of bodies could be through the door by the time you're listening to this. But by the same time, by the same token, I should say, you don't want to patronise Dundee United fans by telling them, oh, everything's fine, you know, don't be antsy because, you know, it's understandable that they might be a little antsy because um, the season's approaching at a relative pace now. And maybe bear is this is a thing that often is more relevant in the January window, but it's been quiet everywhere to a sort of certain degree. And often it's getting it started, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it? People don't want to go first. No, and, and sometimes it's a sequence of events, Tom, that allows you to move to, to get a player in. Something happens elsewhere that has a knock-on effect. And I think you've got to look at the English market for that. And maybe they're a couple of weeks behind us in terms of where they are with, with their season and, and things like that. So, yeah, you're just waiting for things to kick off, really. But I'm sure Jack, as Alan says, he'll, be, he'll know the United squad well from his time in Scotland. And But there will be players there he maybe thinks, not he doesn't like them, but won't be part of his plans yeah. going forward. So it may be the case that he might try to move them on. And that, those difficult conversations have, have to take place. But... Um, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty going on in the background to get to get players in, that's for sure. And the fans, you do want to see a bit of freshness coming in. United did well last season, but you do want to see freshness. Fans will expect that. You know, United aren't, aren't rolling in money. They have done well last season. They've, they've got a nice a nice uh, 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 cash flow from a uh, cash prize for finishing fourth in the league. Um, they'll have the European scene to look forward to. Tony Asgar's already touched on how lucrative that can be if they can get themselves through, especially, I mean, to the group stages. It could be a game changer. I saw Alan's piece this week. It could be a game changer for him. And there's no denying that with the money that's available. So so fans will, will will look at that and say, well, surely we should be bringing players into, you know, that's going to improve the club. And, and they will be sort of looking looking at, the you know, the, the media outlets every day now for, for a sign. And I think it's the... the it's, but they're at the stage now where other clubs are doing it, so they'll be wondering why aren't Dundee United doing it? Dumb? Yeah, that's a great point. It's the it's not, if this was happening in a vacuum, I think a lot of supporters would be say shrugging their shoulders and saying, "Well, our first competitive game isn't until July the thirty first, mm -hmm. and it's at this moment in time it's still June, so why are we panicking?" However, they'll be looking at 
Hibs, you know, approaching double figures on their signings. Even at a, a Ross County who also finished in the top six, signing players for fun. Aberdeen are throwing a wee bit of cash around with their signings, particularly the, the Macedonian lad whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce. That's <laughs> a, you know, that seems like a marquee arrival, for example. So they will be looking, I mean, not even mentioning Hearts as well, that who are strengthening from a position of... Uh, power in terms of being the, the third strongest team in the league last term. So they will be looking at teams they would like to see as their rivals for uh, that battle for third, fourth, fifth next season and thinking, well, are we losing a step here? Are they getting ahead of us and stealing a march? Now, that will only, we'll only know the answer to that when the football starts because let's be honest, quite a few of these signings will be guys that we don't know a great deal about. So there's no point flipping out and being upset or missing out on signings when, let's be honest, a lot of us hasn't heard of some of these guys until they arrived. But at the same time, that's that perception of seeing other clubs do business, get excited, unveil signings, create a bit of buzz is something that the United fans will be looking at and, and they'll, be, they'll be missing that energy. It's the mere fact we haven't heard a lot of the boys that have signed for other clubs a reason why despite our natural impatience, we should be more patient because even in these hard economic times, it is a much bigger market than it used to be. I mean, they're, they're, they're looking all over the world, aren't they? Absolutely. I think there's a, a natural temptation to look at the links that we're aware of and are familiar. For example, you know, in our paper, we've obviously had the, the interest that the club have in Christian Doidge, Jamie McGrath, uh, Xander Clark, all absolute cast iron people of players of interest to Jack and the football club. However, those are stories we've been able to get because contacts are perhaps you know more familiar with certain people, and we have certain avenues with with people we know. Not to get into the minutiae of it all, but don't kid yourself that Tony Askar and Jack Ross will not also have a big book of people we have never heard of and haven't come onto our radar just yet. So this will all bubble along quietly in the background until such a time that you know these boys arrive in the country and, and talks get serious and you know we get wind of it either through sources or or through a, a club announcement. So yeah, it's not it's an it's interesting to think of the you know what Tony and Jack might pull out the hat. You know at you know, you think back to signings like Adrian Sporla and, you know, Matty Cujo and, you know, guys that are just pulled out of nowhere and you wonder, will there be a, a couple of those in the pipeline? Because you can bet that Tony will be looking into other interesting markets. We've seen, you know, Celtic dip into Argentina now. We've seen Australian exports come over in their numbers to Scotland, you know, because business with the EU isn't perhaps as beneficial as it once was you're now getting clubs that are looking at other markets and thinking well do you know what it might be it might be easy enough to you know dip into there instead so um yeah there'll be some interesting options out there one name that um alan mentioned there bear that who's been mentioned a lot and it just makes me think this thing of the wider market and united when it comes to your old position as of goalkeeper United have done very, very well for a long time now signing really good foreign goalkeepers. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a one... Every signing's a gamble. And if you don't have to gamble on a goalkeeper, you wouldn't. So does that make maybe Xander Clark one that they would really like to get their hands on? Yeah, I mean, Xander Clark would be a, a massive signing for Dundee United. But 
I just don't see it happening to him. I mean, it, it looks like he's he has, has been linked strongly with, with Michael O'Neill at, at Stoke. Um, but to get someone of his ilk in, someone that you know can do a, a top, top job, he's, he's in the international setup now, and there's no reason to suggest that it will only be a brief stay in the international setup. Yeah. He, he could go on, but that will be in his mind as well. You know, um, where does he go next to sort of push that as international prospects further on? I mean, it, it could be the case that Dundee United would be the best option for him. If he went down to Stoke, is there a guarantee? There's no guarantees in life that he will play anywhere, but is there more of a guarantee that he would be Dundee United's number one? I think I'd put a, the prospect of that as 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 yes. But you know, how what's the sort of bank balance going to be like if he signs for Stoke and if yeah. he signs for Dundee United? Stoke yeah. could obviously blow Dundee United away. Let's 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 not kid ourselves on here, you know. So. He's got to think about that as well going forward. Um, but yeah, Xander would be, would be a top, top signing for Dundee United. And if I just go back to, Alan touched on Aberdeen and Hibs. I, um, I think uh, Jim Goodwin had to move quickly in the transfer market. He, he's trying to you know, put a mark on Aberdeen. He obviously uh, uh, didn't fancy quite a lot, a number of the players that were there. So he's had to make wholesale changes. They have had a huge um you know, cash input from the Ramsey sale. So the board have, have funded yeah. a, a few of the players he's brought in. And they're you know, trying to get good. United are trying to improve. Yeah, I think so as well. That's yeah. where they're at, Tom. And, and and he wants them in very quickly because although he's bringing in good players, you've got to get them to bond and, and gel and, and get them up and running very quickly because he needs a good start, Tom, up there. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. You know, he came into Aberdeen yeah. and... He didn't really turn them around, and, and as you could actually point the finger and say he took them in the opposite direction. There was already quite severe criticism yes. of him by yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, and similarly at Ross County, Malky Mackay's gone in and, and brought in quite a few players as well up there. But you saw the, the problems Malky Mackay had last season at the start of the season mm -hmm. when his squad weren't good enough and he had to dip into the transfer market. Did very well in the loan market, but as such as these good loan players, Hungbo and, and Reagan Charles Cook, they've left because they were only loan players he's had to go and do the same again this season but he's done it much earlier he doesn't want to get caught in the same situation as last season where they went 10 games I think without getting a victory so I think in terms of Dundee United Dundee United are, the squad Dundee United have I think it does need refreshed but other clubs need to do more much yeah. much more to get to where Dundee United are actually at at this point in time just to, to build on what Bear's saying because it's a you know it's a really good point I'm just looking there at the Starting 11 that beat Ross County on the final day of last season to secure fourth spot, dramatic victory, really impressive win. They've only lost two players from that starting lineup. Yeah. Nine of that starting 11 mm -hmm. are still on the books of Dundee United. So their squad is exceptionally thin, but at the same time, they have the core of a team that is clearly not. Uh, a, a dud side it's a, they've got the core of a side that can be built upon without a shadow of a doubt is that not part of the problem any United manager was going to face this summer is that he's when he, you're always looking to improve your squad but you're looking for very good players to improve your starting lineup, and it's maybe why and touching on what Bear said there about Jim Goodwin trying to put a team together and hoping it gels and Malky Mackay that maybe in the same it's why a lot of importance possibly has been put on the Ian Hark situation and even trying to get Dylan Levitt back because there's, they would be two great re-signings, if you like, that don't need to gel. It's spinning plates and it's so complex and it's probably why things take a long time. Just let's put out a hypothetical situation. Dundee United could be ready to pursue a couple of creative midfielders 
But do you do that while there's still an option of getting Dillard Levitt? Or do you play the waiting game potentially to get a season-defining signing over the line? The same thing could be happening with a striker. They might be confident that they could get something done with Christian Dodge, but perhaps they have got a marquee number nine that they're thinking, if we got that one over the line, that would be special. There are so many spinning plates going on at the background. You don't want to push the button on a signing and then come the tail end of that transfer window think oh it would have been good to get this done early but at the same time that guy's just become available and we didn't think we would get him and oh, it would have been good if we'd hung fire you know that that sort of thing so this is it may look easy for people that are used to playing football manager and just you know put, build a squad and no bother at all but see in the real world there is there are so many considerations and so many complex decisions to be made and it's only come this time next year that we'll be able to look back and decide whether Dundee United made the right decisions along the way I mean, taking that subject on a stage, the two names I mentioned, Harks and Levitt, both players alike, both players that have done great jobs for Dundee United. Is it fair to say Levitt's one that's worth waiting for? Harks is to an extent as, as well, but maybe not as long. The Harks situation is such a, yeah, a peculiar one. I think it's fair to say that um, the contract extension isn't quite as set in stone as uh, as it was it was prior, for a few minutes <laughs> as it as it was prior to Tam Quartz's uh, departure now that we've got a, a new manager in situ um, perhaps understandably although uh, a deal was kind of verbally agreed perhaps it's understandable that all parties want to sit down and have a, a mature discussion about the way forward now that there are so many different parts in place so um, we'll see how that one pans out and I really like Ian Harks as well I think he's a did a piece this week kind of underlining some of the uh, the numbers behind his season la- uh, behind his campaign last season and despite missing the last two months he was a, a pivotal player he was top of most of the kind of attacking metrics in terms of their midfield options only beat out on a couple of fronts by Dylan Levitt he made things happen he got the ball into the final third he scored key goals I'm not sure he was always appreciated as he might have you know perhaps should have been by the the United support but by the same token as you say you can't wait around forever and I think they will look to get that situation cleared up imminently because they need to know whether um, it's only a Dylan Levitt they need to replace or whether they are looking at a replacing um, Dylan Levitt and Ian Harks. That's providing they don't get Dylan Levitt back. So yeah, as, as we say again, moving parts. Yeah, but I should stress, I'm a huge admirer of Ian Harks, but when you, and I should also add, I'm not questioning Dylan Levitt in terms of attitude, but when you speak to managers, they very often raise the players, the subject of the players who have the great attitude. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the ones you want to sign, it's based on who's got the best ability. Yeah. And maybe that's the difference of the two. And I'm not being disparaging no. about Ian Harts at all, but he, he is a great attitude player, hardworking, does. But if you look if you look around the world market, yeah, there are others like him. There are not so many Dylan Levitts about, are there? No, I think, and I think we saw that. I think initially, you know, you saw Hearts, and Hearts was was providing more for Dundee United, but in the end, over the course of the season, I think you would probably, have you looked at Levitt, the real, real quality in there came from him. You know, the real the real class, yeah. the goals, the movement, um, the creativity. That's not saying Hearts is a bad player, but you're right, there is a level. And I think, you know... Um, the new manager will be looking at it. Jack Ross will be looking at it, and you know he's probably 
you, there'll be a point where I think the Hearts thing, they obviously thought that was going to happen. Now it's not, for some reason or not, it's, it's been delayed. But there'll come a time when Jack Ross will say, that's it. We'll put that contract yeah. to bed now. It was there. It's not there. We'll move on. And, the, you know, the Hearts thing will be gone. United won't, you know, wait, as, as, as we've sort of been saying. United won't wait until the first ball is kicked before they allow Hearts to, to sign a contract that suits him, sort of thing. So... Yeah, there's others out there, Tom, and one of them is obviously G- Jamie McGrath, who has been linked with a number of clubs, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that if Jack Ross was able to get his deal over the line, um, that would be the end of any sort of speculation whether Ian, Ross, uh, sorry, whether Ian Hart was signing for Dundee United or not. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? Managers like players that know whether they've worked with them closely, they get to know certain players, whether it's, you know, it can be for a multitude of reasons, and every new manager likes someone he knows he can rely on, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. There's been, I wouldn't say criticism, but there's been some sort of kind of gentle mocking, if you like, on social media about Jack Ross's fondness of signing players that he knows at previous clubs. But I don't really, uh, I don't really adhere to that because it's not a policy that he is solely pursued. He does sign other players. However, he does like to bolster his squad with players that he's worked with and he can vouch for their character, how they net how they need a dressing room together, their work rate, their attitude. All these things are intangible risks when you're signing someone you don't know. So see if he can get a player in the building that he knows would be a quality player and can say factually will make that dressing room a better, more determined place to be. I think it's absolutely right to pursue it because, you know, with finite budgets and the challenges in the transfer market, you want to take as many variables out of the equation as possible. Aye, and, and moving on slightly, Jack Ross, as well as pressure to get the players he wants and the, the shape the squad the way he wants, his own, his own boss, Tony Askar, has put him under a wee bit of pressure by outlining just how big it would be for United financially if they get to the Europa League section. Europa Conference League, you need to keep track of all these new uh, <laughs> UEFA competitions. <laughs> After you mocked it last year. <laughs> Which one is, is that? that? Is, that the, is that the Cup Winners' Cup we're talking about? Here? I can't remember. Yeah, the, the third-tier competition, but it's certainly not third-tier finances. It's, it's, it would be big money, and it's certainly one way to look at it, piling on the pressure. I think he was just spelling out some realities. I think everybody knows that if you can get group stage money, then that would be potentially transformative. Um, Hearts are benefiting from that. If they get knocked out of the Europa League playoff round, they drop into the group stage. They're in the real Europa League and United are in the pretend one. Is that what I'm... <laughs> but Hearts are likely to drop from the real one into the pretend one, however. Although, we should add, as you saw by the final of the Europa exactly, Conference, exactly. everywhere else in Europe, a European competition is big. We're yeah. the only... Perpetual failures in European competition and somehow we managed to look down our noses <laughs> at anything other than the Champions League speak for yourself <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's a no, big I mean, deal as a, as a country yeah. there is a tendency here to go oh I think that's perhaps more of a an English thing I think they certainly didn't take it quite as seriously as they, they should have but I think there's a real appreciation that if you were to get to the group stage as minimum Hearts will and as Dundee United and Motherwell will hope to when you look at the the prize money, the appearance fees, the TV broadcast rights, the full houses you would be likely to get at the stadium, it is uh, transformative money. So, yeah, I, I don't think Jack Ross is any, any pressure to get to the to the group stage. It would be a, an unbelievable achievement. They're unseeded in the third qualifying round. They're going to get a really 
top quality side. So I don't think there'll be a, I don't think there'll be any sense of failure if they don't get there. However, there's no harm in spelling out just what the how fantastic the rewards would be if they were to. And he's also he's put himself under a wee bit of pressure because it's probably with you that he said <laughs> he would make no mistake. He's he's got this unfair reputation about not winning cups when 90, 99% of the country managers don't win cups, but he he happens to go very close <laughs> to winning cups and gets pilloried for it. But he said, of course I want to win a cup and I want to win a I want to win a trophy with Dundee United. Now there's a there's an age old thing in football, even up to the highest level about oh I don't don't make too bold predictions. But sometimes do we not forget it's an entertainment industry. You don't go to the cinema and the and the producers of the film saying, well, you know, don't expect too much. Pretty average actors, pretty average plot. You know, you should actually say, come and see us, we're good and we're aiming. We're aiming to be among the best. You've got to sell the tickets, Tom. Ah. You've got to tell us sell the tickets for the show. And then let the punters decide whether it was a good show yeah. or a bad show. That's, and if it's a bad that's show, a bad show that, yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's exciting times for United, and they should be playing up. We've been let's, let's remember only a few seasons ago, United were in the championship, you know. So it's been a, a meteoric rise. But then United fans expect the, to be where they are, but where they've come from over the last 24 months is, is terrific, you know. It's I should staggering. be excited, yeah. shouldn't I? See yeah, the, they should the be really look, the, looking forward to it. But as, as Alan. Alan has said, and I read his piece this week, some of the teams United could be faced, maybe I'll, oh, I'll mention a few of them. I, you know, it's quite, it's, 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 it's going to be a real, real battle for them to get in there, but... I might not know the name of the competition, no, but I no. know the quality of the yeah. teams that got to the knockout stages last year, and yeah, it was a yeah. big, big competition. Absolutely, and the money, but the money involved is, is eye-watering, Tom, and, what, and, the, and as Tony Asker rightly says, for Dunn, you need to get another hands-on, some of that would be... Uh, it could prop the club up for, for seasons, for the next two or three seasons, you know. And before we move on, Alan, big disappointment of the week. Tam Courts discusses why he left United and there was absolutely nothing controversial. <laughs> Do you know, we knew that would be the case. Tam isn't the <laughs> Tam isn't the blasting and slamming type, but nevertheless, it was... Did you not say, who do you hate? Who do you hate? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I'm like slightly more eloquent in my questioning than that. Uh, slightly oh, more... see, by the end of my time, I was, I was just open. I was like, sorry, Paul, this is boring. You're going to have to say something more interesting. <laughs> well, thankfully, Tam wasn't boring. It was good. Um, no, it was, uh, you know, We've, we've spoken so much about uh, his move and his potential motives and it's all been kind of speculation until this point so it was good to catch up with him uh, albeit over Zoom um, still trying to get DC Thompson to fork out for the flight to Budapest for my um, for my in-person feature but wait till I get the phone call and find <laughs> out the flight was cheaper or the phone bill rather <laughs> But it's uh, but it was really interesting in terms of uh, being blindsided to an extent with that interest from Rajika um, initially, and you know confirmed that that very much was a legitimate interest. But you know made it clear that Tony Askar was someone that encouraged him to pursue that interest um, from the Croatian side, and although that didn't pan out, I think the the subtext was quite clear that conversations had happened and things had moved on and it was quite clear that a separation of the ways was likely and at which point although the he didn't end up getting the Rijeka job uh, Honfed nipped in and he seemed to be very quickly um, and very genuinely excited by by that challenge but it is worth saying that he had nothing but good things to say about his time at Dundee United the work that he did there the support that he ultimately got from the fans and the success that they they achieved so um 
Yeah, it wasn't quite, uh, you know, there was no sense of a scandalous departure, but it certainly was interesting that after a really successful season, um, Tam Courts went to, you know, the club, the sporting director, and said, you know, we've, we've had this approach, and rather than immediately turn into, well, how do we fight this, or how do we keep our manager, it was more a case of, okay, go and, and test yourself, go and develop yourself um, from from the Dundee United sporting director. I thought that was quite a, quite an interesting little insight. And just finally, before we do move on over the road, remarkable, as you've put here in this week's notes, 215 <laughs> grand United Supporters Federation Foundation. Sorry. It's a joke. This old Life of Brian thing. But it's the foundation. The Supporters Come Federation up. were panicking their pants. Ah, no, <laughs> 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 no, no. <laughs> um, I, to help, help towards the Gussie Park redevelopment. That's well done to the punters. Yeah, it's a, a, a tremendous achievement. and Whoever they are. The fact that, well, more than 2,000 of them, and it's, uh, you know, the membership swelling, and the fact that 98.7% approval from an 86% turnout of members, that is a, that's, well, first of all, it's an engaged fan base. That's a, a turnout that any election yes. would be a staggered oh. by. And the fact, I mean, I suppose, I mean, if that was in Moscow, you would call that a rigged election. 98.7%, goodness me. So that shows that there's a real passion for this project. Gussie Park can be, you know, the foundation of so much good for Dundee United in terms of being another base for the first team, being there for the academy, hosting under-18 games, hosting Scottish Women Premier League games for their maiden campaign in the top flight. So much good stuff can now be happening. This initial, I say initial, they, they also contributed 100 grand to the phase one of the project, but this this ongoing funding will be used to construct a stand, which brings it up to spec for, for a, a few things that needs to happen. And going forward, I think they will continue to support the Gussie Park project. It is right in their remit of, of supporting bricks and mortar infrastructure that will you know outlast any owner and all the supporters. So it's uh, exciting times and in five years, you can only uh, doff your cap for the progress that this group has made. It's tremendous. Right. After this, we'll move on to Dundee. Sort of. Yes, I said sort of at the end of the United uh, section because start off with news that is relevant to Dundee, but well done to ex-United man John Rankin, Hamilton Aki's new manager, head coach or whatever you want to call it, but he's the man that will be picking the team. And that might not be the best news for Dundee because knowing John Rankin, I can guarantee <laughs> there won't be a fitter team in that division this season because he's fanatical about his fitness and he's fanatical about... He's fanatical about the fitness of those around him as well. He was as a player. Um so it might be a challenge for Dundee seeing him in the Hamilton Yeah, the Hamilton, I mean, Dundee always has problems playing Hamilton at the best of time, Tom, so I wouldn't expect anything else. Uh, they've struggled Very a wee, often just keeping their fans have, out the to be, to be fair, yeah, to be fair, Hamilton, they have struggled a wee bit since they've dropped out, yeah. you know, and I think the concern was obviously through through there is that the fall would continue, and we have seen that in the past, where clubs have dropped out and, and kept dropping down in divisions and it becomes more and more difficult, but there have been a club for, you know, Promoting youth, and I think they've picked a good manager there to to do that and, and to keep that keep that going. You've mentioned his fitness levels; it's terrific, 
terrifically fit player. He would put demands on himself. He put demands on his players as well. But it's a good appointment. He always speaks very well, John Rankin, doesn't he, when, he, when he's commentating on games. He talks a lot of sense. So, yeah, it might not be the best appointment for Dundee, but good to see him and, and congratulations on him, you know, getting the job. Alan, you've called him Squiggler in the day's notes. Why? I've, I only ever knew him as ranks. Do you not remember that goal he scored from about 45 yards? I think it was against Celtic for Hibs at Easter Road and it got uh, dubbed the Squiggler. The squiggler. I think it, it squeezed under Arthur Boric's uh, body and <laughs> yeah. I think he came out in the interview afterwards and uh, and described it as one of his trademark Squigglers uh, as opposed to saying, I totally scuffed it and got fortunate. And one thing about John Rankin, He'll be looking for players just now because he'll want players of the right attitude. What are, Dun what are Dundee doing? <laughs> are they looking for anything? I keep, I keep hearing about this great training facility and I'm sure it is a great training facility, but... It could be a couple of things. Is there anyone to train on it? I think, I think first and foremost, Gary Boyer is just in the door. He'll be assessing what he has. He's obviously looked at players in videos and things like that. He's watched them on the training ground, um, but uh, you know he'll be assessing what he's got and what he needs. And let's let's be crystal clear here: Dundee are in a different market now. You know it's difficult to attract players to a team yeah. that maybe the maybe the players they want, you know, without paying a king's ransom for them to come and play. And players don't want to come and play in the championship where they've got options to. So it's a, it's a tough one for Gary Boyer as. Uh, you know, Alan said, like, like about Jack Ross United, there will be players out there that we have, have never heard of that United will be chasing. It'll be the same at Dundee. I'm sure Gary Boyer's got a few irons in the fire. You'll have a look um, and, and see, you know, would, would they be wanting up sticks? Maybe a lot of them might be from down south, I would imagine. Would they be wanting up sticks and coming up here and, you know, make that move and, and all that entails? But first and foremost, he's got to have a look at his squad and he's, he's, he's doing that. They're getting there. But, you only, you're only able to really get a, a, a feel for your players when the actual game starts. It doesn't matter. They could come in and train well and, you know, they're doing everything the manager asks them. They look pretty fit. But can they do it where it counts on the field, Tom? That's that's the big thing. Yeah. You know, the guys that you see in training that maybe aren't, you know, you could have guys that could, could train and be the best trainers, but can they actually produce where it counts, you know, under, in pressurised situations on the park? So Gary Boyer will be assessing that going forward. They do need they do need one or two. There's obviously one or two players that have got injury doubts as well. We're having a look at that. Do you do you have to bring? Yeah. Do you have to go and bring in a centre half, or is Lee Ashcroft going to be fit from the start? Do you have to go and bring in a centre forward, or is Cillian Sheridan going to be fit to good to go? But as with Dundee United, they do need to freshen up. Dundee fans will still demand there are new faces in there, and the manager will want to do that too because the squad gets stale. If you're in if you're in Dundee squad, everyone's rosy and nobody's coming. Nobody's coming in a sort of ruffle a few feathers, I'm sure Gary Boyer will bring somebody in just to sort of, you know, break any sort of wee cliques that are growing in there. I don't think that, everyone seems quite a happy camp, but it's good to have somebody in there that maybe just shuffle things up a wee bit and, and you know, stirs a, stirs a few sort of uh, players to, to just up their game a bit. Sometimes it can be too comfortable if you're in with the same squad time after time. So I would expect new faces to come in, but Dundee fans have got to be realistic on what they can afford and what, what Gary Boyer can do at this point in time. As a lifelong Dundee fan, I do like a bit of gloom and doom, which so I'm well suited to being a Dundee fan, obviously. But can anybody name a team that's gone down and come back up without quite an extensive rebuild? Oh, goodness me. I um, can't think of one. I'm 
I don't doubt that there's been examples. I think did did Terry Butcher not bring Inverness back up fairly sharpish after Inverness were relegated? I'm not sure if it was a one season job, but there's certainly it was certainly a recognisable Dundee with a yeah. great. I think I think it was a 12 game winning run because mm, I remember yeah. Morris That's Malpass was, was his yeah. assistant, and I remember speaking to Morris and he said everybody talked about Dundee's collapse that season. He said, but yeah. I think it was. Yeah. I think they dropped two points in their last 12 games or something. I'm, one draw. I'm sure that Inverness side, if it wasn't one season, I'm sure you can at least say it was recognised from the side that had gone down um, but I'm doing that off the t- top of my yeah, head if you, and if you look further afield I'm sure the, the first time Burnley got relegated they stuck with Sean Deitch yeah, this, to, and he stuck with largely yeah. the same squad mm-hmm. the other. and got up but it's a new it's a new manager and it was a desperate season no I, I, I do I, I certainly appreciate that but the, the other question is how often does a team get relegated with a squad with the relative proven championship strength that Dundee have. I think Dundee have got a really solid squad. They're dropping into the championship with guys like Adam Leskins, Ryan Sweeney, Lee Ashcroft, Cammy Kerr, Zach Rudden, Max Anderson, Josh Mulligan. These are good footballers. You know, I think they are... I'm not sure, and you know, clearly proven wrong on the pitch last season, but in different circumstances, I'm not sure Dundee would and should have been relegated. I still think they've got a half-decent squad, and I think whether it had been by keeping James McPake until the end of the season and building on that good run that they were on when he was sacked, or um, by just simply choosing a better option than Mark McGee, I th- think they had a, a, a chance to stay up. I don't think they're a bad side. Um, so I don't see the need for revolution. I'm going to sound like David Brent here, but I think it's more a case of uh, more a case of evolution. I, I d- Alan makes a good point there, Bear. One thing I would counter, though, there is a mental hangover from relegation, isn't there? There's a lot of strong-looking teams mm-hmm. That, and I, yeah. I've always it's that it's and no offence it's it's running out at our growth instead of Ibrox on yeah. the first day of the season. There is that, that. affects their, yeah. their heads. There is that, and you know it's one of these ones. You know if you don't think you should be playing there and you shouldn't be at Dens, that's that's a that's a fact. You know if anybody's if anybody's feeling like that, and it, it's up to Gary Boyer to make sure that they're not here to bring in his own mentality now, and you know and that that. Is helped by bringing in a couple of fresh faces as well, just to you know, just to g the, the entire squad up. But what I've seen, Taz, you know, and it, it, it may just be sort of paper talk, but everything is, it sounds quite a happy camp. Yes, it does. And I'm, I, I mean, obviously they've moved to the new training facility at Gardine. I think that's possibly helped. But every interview that's that's taking place, Cami Care, Ryan Sweeney, they all seem quite upbeat and and happy in each other's company now when the football actually starts that, that might change yes. but you know it seems the Gary Boyer's got them together and, uh, is uh, that uh, the big plus it's a new manager yeah it's a new training facility that's state of the art and that that changes the environment mm-hmm. changes the mentality yeah it seem, and this, this seem, uh, it looks like they've involved the players a wee bit more you saw a, a few of the players Cammy Kerr and Sweeney I think it was somebody else was in there getting Adam Legsons the senior players maybe getting things prepared for the players coming back, you know, so they're obviously, you know, part of uh, Gary Boyer's uh, 
not coaching squad, but you know the, the underscore of you like you're going to look after the, the, the conduit between the players and the management of you like you know that he's got that set up, mm-hmm. so the players will, will go to them if there are issues. But they're all they all seem quite quite happy at this point in time. It, you know how a couple of defeats would would, would uh, affect them. I don't know, but there two there's a couple of key issues for me. Um, the fitness of Ashcroft. If, if he's fit, then they do look incredibly strong defensively, you know, at the back. Well, Sweeney see, Adam, and Ashcroft would be an Adam, ideal Adam Legsden seems to be a bit of a concern at this point. It looks as though he he might be fit. He might not. I'm not exactly sure. They've never actually explained what the issue is with Adam Legsden. I think it's a knee problem, Tom. I'm not 100% sure on that. But why it's taking so long, I don't know. You know, but, but um, hopefully he can be fit. And also up front, I'm, I'm really, I think they need to bring in another striker. I think Sylvain Sheridan. We've never really seen enough of Sylvain Sheridan to, to, to see what he can do. He's a, he is a big lad, but I would... Some would say Alan's notes that yeah. Ashcroft and Sheridan, Sheridan, Sheridan yeah. could be like new signings. Yeah. Well, let, let which they could. He did admit to a cliche. I think it's, I think it's more that, that Sheridan could be like a new signing because we've not seen no. anything yes. like the best of him. Ashcroft yeah. is a known quantity, so yeah. I wouldn't put him in that category. Definitely. But Sheridan, fascinating. I'm worried that he's a big lad. He's a big set lad. You can see that. And that's what Dundee need. But an Achilles injury is notoriously difficult to re- recover from. And, yeah. and getting himself back, he could be fit, but getting himself back to match fitness where he do need to make quick turns, change his direction on the park. Fingers crossed for the lad, Tam. But, you know, that's a, that's a big effort to say, say he's going to come and hit the ground running us, <laughs> as you say. It's funny you, you, you say that um, about Sheridan's injury. I had, in, in, in recent weeks, when I was lounging about, I watched an interview with Michael Owen heard uh, an interview with the legendary Paul Sturrock and they both referred to injuries mm-hmm. and how it changed. I mean, Owen basically said he lost a yard yeah. with one injury and and, and Luggy gave up because yeah. he couldn't, with the injuries he'd had over the years, but in, and in those days it was accepted, especially the fool wore his, an- his socks <laughs> on his ankles all the time. You <laughs> uh, had to be saying on his legs and kick, kick me kick, here. Kick me here <laughs> on both <laughs> heels. <laughs> And it took it took its toll, and uh, I mean, for a striker, uh, you're always worried, especially as they're getting later in their career. You're worried a striker with an Achilles injury, aren't you? Yeah. Well, absolutely, and I also think as well, Sheridan is is, is a, a big, a heavy set player. I think it's almost more difficult for them, to, you know, to get themselves really back up to speed. But I hope McCann Allen's right. We, we haven't seen we haven't seen enough of them. We haven't seen, always. You, you saw he he fitted the bill to what Dundee needed last season, but unfortunately. Just as he was getting himself into the team, I think it was at St Man the one that day, I think, he, he, when he went off. But, uh, yeah, disappointing for him. But it's, that's a long time ago, Tom. That must have been November, I think, last yes. year. Yes. So right. that's a, it's a long time out of the game. And to come back and expect him to sort of <laughs> come in and start scoring goals in August is, you know, it's a big ask. It's a big it's ask. Just, it's just almost a nightmare scenario. I don't want to be too gloom and doom, although it's my natural sort of starting point. But is it almost a nightmare scenario for a manager, particularly a new manager, when you, like, you've, Touched on already. You, you see, you see boys in training, and you know you're looking and you're going. They could do a real job for me, but are they going to be fit? Yeah, yeah. That's that's always that's always the case, and and especially in Dundee's situation, any club situation, just yeah. now it's a limited budget. Yeah, and I would say I would say to fans, you know, we've got a few friendlies coming up, and we've got the the Premier Sports Cup, isn't it? Is that, that is that the League Cup? Is that, yeah, is, is that, the is League that the Cup. Cup. Premier Sports Conference Cup. He's like, okay. <laughs> But I think Dundee fans need to, need to stay relaxed. I think I can watch their first live game. The most, imp- for a yeah, month the most important Scotland. thing for Dundee this season is getting themselves back in the Premier League. Yes. 
So the league is priority. Anything else is a sideshow. So Dundee, Gary Boyer should be having a good look at the players through these friendlies, through the through the League Cup, assessing at that point, I would suggest, or throughout that, these games, yes, I'm definitely going to have to bring someone in. And remember, let's remember that the, the transfer window is open until the end of August, I think it is. So there is time to bring, bring players in. But the Dundee score in general is a strong score. If you look at those players they've got in there, there isn't, a, there isn't a many of them that any other club in that championship wouldn't take, Tom. Yeah. The vast mm-hmm. majority would take every one that, that Alan's mentioned, you know, so they are in a good place, but it's getting them mentally ready to go and getting them mentally ready to, you know, and I'm sure the, the majority, they, they are the big team in that league and teams are going to come to Dens and going to big just love. Big team in any league, Bear. They're going to love, they're going to love playing at Dens and love playing against Dundee and love taking three points away with yeah. them. So that's, that's what they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to take that on board with them and, and carry that forward. And, I mean, to, to switch into being positive about the current situation, so if Gary Boyer knows he's going to have a fit squad for the start of the league season, in particular at the end of July, even if he knows that squad's going to need strengthened to last the season, it does give him a month then to say, well, here's who I add, but I've got enough players for the first month, the first two months. Yeah. It's yeah. when and, injuries and suspensions yeah. are kicking later. And again, I, I would stress the fans, and we should know this is Dundee fans because we've been there so often. We've been in that champ. You don't win the championship in August and September. We have seen Hearts really turn the screw. We saw, and it was Robbie Nielsen twice, Dundee United doing it as well, getting off the flying starts. Let's be honest, it's unlikely. We'd like to see it, Gary Boyer's team doing that, but it's yeah, unlikely that Marnock's in heart. Yeah, you have to win the league over the course of a season and and keep yourself in there. You know, and, and time your run as I, as I said, James McPick time does run to perfection through the playoffs. It has to be said, um, but they did. They had that run. You've mentioned Inverness uh, under Terry Butcher uh, years ago. That, mile that off, run. mile off at the turn of the year. Come with come with a run. The last dozen games, win win these games, and you know, and, and take it away from teams, but. You know, Dundee for me have the strongest squad. Can they? They have lacked goals, Tom. Over over the last season, they did. You know, this and that was through a couple of things. You know, it wasn't just down to pure down to strikers. Lack of creativity. You know, Zach Rudden was getting in the neck, but that, that lad, I've got a feeling he can score goals if he gets the ball yeah. in the right area. You know, the, he, he, was, he was running all over the place for Dundee last yeah. season. Out on the right wing, out on the left wing. That's, you know, no. you would expect him to get more chances in the championship. And then I'll now be, we can really Play judge. between the width and yeah, the 18 yards. We can lines. really judge Zach Rudden on that. If he starts fluffing his lines in that situation, you can go, Christ, this, this lad's a dud, but let's give him a chance to prove that he is a goal scorer. And I think he is. Famous last words, but Zach Rudden will score goals in yeah. the championship. Go service, from, service from Paul McMullen, Luke McGowan, yeah. you know, Max Anderson behind him, Paul McGowan in there. Give him the service. Zach Rudden will score goals in the second I mean, tier. They're maybe saying this to him behind closed doors, but is it worth taking the leaf out of the, the Jack Ross book when he said, I'm, I want to win trophies? Is it is it worth somebody coming out and saying, you watch how many goals Zach Rudden get. If you've got a spare fiver, get, get your... Because he was prolific up until the minute he left Patrick Thistle mm-hmm. for, for Dundee. And he's he's a young boy. We do, yeah. Rather than put pressure on him by saying he'll score goals, would it not boost his confidence to say he's back in a league where he'll score goals and show why he should be playing in the Premier League? Yeah, and they've got him on a good contract as well. I mean, he, Dundee paid paid quite well for his services. Yeah. I mean, and they saw off a couple of Premier clubs to get him. You know, so um, there's a wee bit of pressure, but that goes with the territory. Uh, you know, if Zach Rodden wants to go anywhere in the game, that's 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 what he's got to do. Now he's got to, 
He's got to find that scoring touch again. But again, as as we said, that wasn't purely down to Zach Rudden. That, that was down to the way Dundee were playing last season. You know, he, I would expect him to get goals as well. Um, we'll wait and see, Alan. In terms of in terms of the big kind of giving him the big build up, it's purely down to what kind of character the boy is, and that's yeah. and that's something that the people within the club will know. know. Maybe maybe he's a boy that wants to be told that publicly that he's he could score twenty goals a season. Maybe that's something he would shy away from. So well, totally understand what you're getting at. Yeah, it's impossible to say, isn't it? Unless you kind of know the boy. Yeah, and and without knowing Gary Boyer personally, he comes across as a very calm type. He's also not embroiled in the not so much you Alan but the the, the culture bearing I share of we've got to get out of this league <laughs> and the, the angst and the frustration and the, uh, and uh, you almost put pressure on yourself as a fan because they've got to get out of this league that's that's the only thing they've got to do this that must have that's my attitude to the coming season for Dundee I don't care what they do in the cups I don't care I don't care how they play get out of that league but Gary Boyer's come from down south, he's not part of that yeah. culture. And there's, I, I, and okay, Dundee, I'm not, not pretending Dundee are the biggest club in Scotland, never mind, you know, further afield. But but I've spoken to people, you know, in the west, in Edinburgh, up north, and they all know the, the pressure that there is with Dundee. You touched on it earlier, part of the reason folks saying they quite like, teams quite like coming to Dens, because mm. if you can, if you can start a game well, they feel the pressure that goes on to the home team when they're in the championship. But Gary Boyer's maybe in a way immune to that. Although he went and spoke to Gary Harkins. So <laughs> he's he's probably yeah. thinking, God, this place is mental. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, just Gary Harkins. Yeah. yeah, well, Gary Harkins would have been a Very nice of him yeah. to, to make, make contact. Well, no, it's former player, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Gary, I mean, Gary Harkins would have told him what the club expect and what the fans will expect. But... Yeah, Gary Boyer, I think it's quite refreshing, Tom. I think it's refreshing. We're all interested to see how this yeah. is going to pan out and hopefully it pans out well for Dundee. But I'm quite, I'm quite excited by the prospect just to see what happens, how, yeah. how it develops and how, he's, how he puts his mark on the team going forward. I mean, looking at this from across the road, I've been really impressed by him. I really like the cut of his jib. He seems pragmatic, sensible, but at the same time, quite no-nonsense. Like, I think he's been, uh, you know, managers tend to come across well in their initial dealings with the, the press because you don't get to that level of management without being able to interview well, talk well, uh, you know, put your points across. But having said that, I've, uh, I think there's plenty to be positive about with his sort of initial dealings and, and the way he's come across um, in his opening weeks in the job. And it, hey, good luck to Gary Harkins in his new job as assistant uh, at Forfa. But... Just his character and the way he lifts the dressing room with his personality, he wouldn't have been a bad addition to the coaching staff at Dens. Yeah, well, it's, you know, you're right about his attitude. If one player believed in himself, that was Gary yes. Harkins. You know, he could have he could have played in the Champions League, Gary Harkins, hmm. in his own mind. Uh, but, as you know, he was a great player. I mean, I always loved him to see him in a Dundee shirt because he was a guy who always knew what he was doing on the ball. He was, he was somebody who knew where the next part he couldn't always deliver but uh, you know but he, 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 there's a lot of people get on the ball and you don't you get the feeling they're not sure what they're going to be yeah. able to do with the ball Gary Harkins is one of these players who had a great touch great ability also saw the bigger picture saw the, the, the deep run from the right or from the left or the, the pass through the, the bit of magic Tom, that's what fans yeah. go to see 
it's all fans got to see the wee nutmeg that you know the, the back drags and things like that, eh? But uh, what I always liked about Big Gary was, I honestly believe he had the, he had the ability to be an English Premiership player. Yeah. He had the ability to have fifty, sixty caps for Scotland. And he never moaned that that hadn't happened because he knew he never worked hard enough yeah, over the course yeah. of a season. He, he knew that himself and he, he he had no one else to blame. And he, he was always very like upfront about that. He loved being the way he was as a player and he was great to watch. But that kind of character, and very often these are the these are the guys that become coaches and yeah. make everyone work yeah. really, really hard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I always, always laugh when people call Gary Harkins. You, you got a lot of stick for being overweight and things like that. And you used to go up to Dens and look no, up, and there wasn't no, a pick of, wasn't. wasn't a pick of fat on the Aye. guy, you know. Um, it was just, just, just sort of. I think it was his languid style on on the pie, and he looked as though he, he was lazy. But I always think if you've got a brain, you're half a yard ahead of the opponent anyway, Tom. So you know, he, and he had that. He had a terrific football brain, and he was. Well, well loved at Dench Park. There's no doubt about that. I was going to say, I think that's why that's what endeared him to so many fans that, that he played in front of because obviously he was a magician on the ball and did things that supporters could only dream of. But in terms of perhaps his, his work rate and, you know, fans were looking at him and maybe thinking, that's probably what I would be like. Yeah, <laughs> I've always felt that. If, if I had ability, I wouldn't have had that attitude. Yeah. I, I mean, it was things like you mentioned. He used to get stick about his weight, which was a fallacy. But then when he scored, he would run up in front of him <laughs> yeah, and he would yeah, go and give like, yeah. the big stomach sign yeah. and stuff. And he was probably probably one of the most popular players with opposition fans of his era. And yeah. it was because he, he seemed to enjoy himself. And but yeah, you're right. He played, played with a smile on his face for the majority of his career, it, yeah. And if you can enjoy yourself when you're playing in front of Dundee fans <laughs> in the championship, you've done really well. Because we're, we're not forgiven. No, no. No, and that's what the players are going after. Well, the players don't have to get used to it. The players will be aware of that. That's one good thing. The vast majority of them will be aware of that and, and they know that they're, they'll get it in the neck. And, you know, it's the way Dundee fans are, but I, I would hope that Dundee fans are, are realistic. And, and, you know, let's let's take advantage of the fact that Dundee are, are far and away the biggest, the biggest club in the championship this season. Yeah. And support-wise as well, they're going to have, you know... It's first time in a few years. So, I mean, Hearts were favourites, but yeah. Dundee were... Yeah, they could you know push them yeah. there, but it's the first time it's a, it's an almost an old fashioned championship there, where there used to be yeah. one club that you thought they they have. But there, Tom, there are going to be games at Dens where there's not going to be there'll be a, a smattering of away supporters. The, the the Bob Shankly stand is going to be closed more often than it's going to be open, so it's important that the fans get right behind the team. They use that to their advantage, and it doesn't become a negative. You know, and there's there, that sort of negativity spreads from the terrace and onto the park and gives the opposition support. You know, they've, they've got to try and keep... And, and that's a good thing about this, that all the youngsters that, that have drummed up this young support, this group that, that are in the South Enclosure, and hopefully they'll they'll keep keep things ticking over nicely. When things are getting quiet, they'll be able to sort of, you know, get the drum beating and, and get, get the rest of the stadium going as well. Even on a Friday night on BBC Scotland? No. <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be a few of them. Yes, I think we could look forward. But um, I think I'm looking for a medal for how we managed to spin Dundee out, given <laughs> that nothing's happened other than we've heard every week about what a great training base it is. Imagine how long this show's going to be when both both clubs start signing some players. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till Dundee, wait till Dundee hit the top of the championship, pal. You'll be here for days. <laughs> And finally, because we need a part three, it's in my contract. 
It's the women's Euros next week. Down in England. And the bad news is, England look like they might be genuine favourites to win it. So let's speak about the Scotland ladies doing very well against Ukraine last week. They're on course for a World Cup playoff place. But seriously, what I noticed about the Euros, without knowing too much about it, they've sold out uh, Old Trafford and Wembley already for the finals. I think the ticket sales are excellent. That's got to be pleasing because good football is good football, whether you're a, a man or a woman. I think it was interesting, even your head touched on this in our uh, column for uh, for the Courier. And <laughs> I know, boo. But nevertheless, it was an interesting read if, if you're that way inclined. It's, um, uh, you know, touching on the fact that it would have been good if that, uh, if the Euros had perhaps been a, a fortnight earlier when there was that fallow period in terms of sporting yeah. competition and the TV audiences that would have perhaps picked up because obviously... I don't the, get why it's so late. But at the same time, the, the, the ticket sales and the general interest is, is positive, even if it perhaps could have been slightly more blockbuster and commanded slightly more mainstream media uh, attention. But yeah, as you say, I think England tanked Holland 4-1 the other day so yes. yeah that's that's slightly alarming but uh, if if England are going to win a, a major tournament I would, I would rather it was uh, it was that one I feel when like we're, we're, all watching, <laughs> when we're all watching the Open I feel like I feel like um, I feel like we would maybe hear about that for slightly less than the 60 years we've, we've had to listen to about the World Cup but no it'll certainly be an interesting competition and, and hopefully come the, the the next major one Scotland can be can be a part of that because the progress under uh, Martinez Loza has been certainly relatively positive to this point. Yeah, and it did it did strike me that whether it's the men's game or the women's game, those that are in charge on the organisational side still baffle you. Because something something we touched on very briefly a few months ago is it now transpires they've sold out Old Trafford. Every other game in Manchester's at Manchester City's yeah. reserve stadium, and I think and only holds five thousand. Yeah, I mean they've shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're not going to get 70,000 yeah. for every other, but if you can get 70 odd thousand, surely you probably would expect 15,000 would be. Yeah, why not do that? Yeah. But in, in, instead, you're going to. Uh, at a time when they're supposed to be promoting the women's game, that, that one stadium in that tournament makes you think, well, do you really care? Well, I mean, it's the people that are marketing it, and you know that's that's a big thing for the women's game going forward. As much as anything, you know, they promote it well. They take advantage of, you know, gaps in the, in the. There's no many gaps in the calendar now. Tell me, there isn't live sport on, but use them no. to their full advantage and, and 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 do that. I think the, the problem with the women's game, I can see it at the moment, is you have a small group of top top sides, and there's a big gap, a big big gap to everyone yeah. else. And until that sort of that gap closes, and it becomes a bit more apparent that other teams are capable of actually matching some of these sides. It's a bit of a turn-off for, for teams. But the fact that they've, they've sold out, as you say, Wembley and Old Trafford, you know, there is there is a market there for it, Sam, and it's certainly not going away. You know, that's for sure. And, and, and Scotland, Alan's right, they haven't proved that. It would have been, they absolutely murdered Ukraine uh, the other week. There there might have been reasons for that, of course. I think yeah. it was a game played, played in Poland, possibly. Yes, it was. Um, but no, fair play to Scotland. You know, they have improved, um, but there is still there is a big gap between the Spains, the Englands, and, and you know ev everyone else. There's about half a dozen teams there. So well, the build up to that Ukraine game, the main encouragement that I read about for Scotland was 
They only got beat 2 0 by Spain, yeah. having been beaten yeah. 8 0 yeah. in the first match when they played each other in the group. And there is, there is, a, there is a few very, very good teams. Uh, you always think of the USA. Yeah. They, they look, I, I, I remember watching the last World Cup and thought, I think it's a bit. Really you've anymore. got that. You've got that in the in the men's game yeah. as well. Of course it is. But when you're when you're seeing international football and, and results like ten nil and eight one, you know it's, there is there's too much of a gap for me. Yeah. It needs to be that has to be close somehow. But and that will only happen through promotion of the women's game and more people getting involved. And and you know it's uh, what what strides they've made over the last sort of 10, 15 years. Anyway, great stuff, lads. And just we'll end by saying good luck to it. Nah, never mind. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs> <laughs>